and um, as we were singing it, I was thinking about how much it, it fits with what we've been learning uh, about um, in the book of Daniel um, and just those words about bring me to my knees and, and thinking about two weeks ago when we heard uh, about Daniel when he was told, nope, don't pray to anyone except for the king and he just went and prayed anyway. Um, and we often have things in our lives that will be um, having that sort of message to us. Don't pray, do something else. Uh, don't pray, you know, what's, what's the point of that? Don't pray, what, what, is God even listening anyway? Um, but we don't hear that message, we're like Daniel. And when we're not like Daniel, well we soon realise um, that taking time away from spending time with God um, makes a really big difference in our lives, in our faith. Um, not that God stops working, but I think we stop seeing him working um, and it changes, um, changes the way that we, we look at the world. And at this point in time, with things still being a little bit different to what we're used to, um, it's good to be reminded and to be grounded in um, what we're thinking about. So we're going to take a bit of time now to do something in prayer that we love to do at Sorrow Revival, um, which is to stop and to say sorry to God for the things that we've done wrong. I'm going to start off by sharing a couple of um, favourite verses of mine, um, if my phone decides to recognise me. And these are from 1 John. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. So let us confess our sins to God, knowing that he is faithful and just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Please join me as we pray. Father God, you are our maker. You are our judge, and before you we humbly admit that we need your help. We have sinned against you in our thoughts, with our words, in our actions. We have lived with divided hearts, giving time and energy to things that don't please you, and not loving you with our whole heart. We've loved ourselves more than others. Father, we repent. We are sorry for all our sins. Please forgive us. Wipe out our sins and teach us to forgive others. Strengthen us to love and obey you and bring forth in us the fruit of your spirit that we may live as disciples of Christ. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. God fulfills his promises and he is true to his word. We've confessed our sins and so if we have done that then God has forgiven us. What a beautiful promise. We're going to continue to talk to our Lord God as uh, Tim leads us. Thanks Tim. Well, what a gift it is to be able to pray to God, particularly in these uncertain times, um, and know that he will hear our prayers um, as, as we put them up to him. So let's keep on praying. Let's, let's do it. Heavenly Father, we pray thanks for your love and grace and for sending your son Jesus to take our sins so that we can have a place in heaven. Lord, what a gift it is to be able to pray for you to hear our prayers and for us to see what you do with them, even more so over the last little while as we've been cut off from each other and unable to share our lives as easily. We know you are still there, 
You are there to hear our worries, to hear our joys, and to hear our hopes. Lord, thank you for the quick response of our leaders and for bringing the crisis in Australia to a point that is far less worrying than a month or so ago. For so many, it has been a huge change to our lives. This pandemic has brought huge amounts of stress and fear into our lives, Lord. From those that have been physically affected by the virus to those that have lost family or friends and have not been able to be there with them, to the sheer number of people that are without work or working less, to those that have felt the shadow of loneliness and increased threat of domestic violence as we isolated, and on a global scale, fears about increasing political and social tensions. This has been an exhausting time, Lord. It has drained us and left many in a more vulnerable state. But Lord, you are our hope. You are our healer. And we are reminded of that in every new day that comes along. As restrictions start to ease, Lord, please help us to restore our emotional beakers. Please give us wisdom and sense and a sense of calm in knowing you are in control. Please help those that are exhausted. Help healthcare workers that have been working around the clock. Help mums and dads that have been juggling school, work and life. Teachers that have come up with new resources and ways of teaching. And leaders and those who are working with them to make good decisions daily. Lord, we know from Isaiah that even youths youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Help us to renew our strength and help us to be kind and patient as life returns to something more normal. Lord, there is so much to be thankful for in these times, though. Thank you for the massive efforts that our church and others have gone to. Thank you that your word is continuing to be shared and that we are engaging in different and exciting ways. Lord, thank you for our church at Woolaware and all the people that come along and make it the church that it is. Thank you for Joy and Christine and all of those that have built us up with solid foundations in your love. And help us to show your love to others so that they also see that you are a loving God who wants to spend eternity with his people. In Jesus' name, Amen. afternoon's reading is from Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 to 14. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, David had a, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind. As he was lying on his bed, he wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven, churning up the great sea, Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was uplifted from the ground, so that it stood on two feet like a man, and the heart of a man was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back it had four wings, like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. 
After that, in my vision, at night I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was an horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power all peoples, nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Amen. Uh, thanks, Lindsay, for that. That was great. Uh, thank you for doing that, even though you're, you're on your way to Goulburn. You'll be watching this from Goulburn, so it's great to be able to have you with us uh, in this way. Now... Uh, I don't know if you, as you're reading that, thinking, what on earth are we doing? Why are we looking at chapter 7? Should we, shouldn't we just stop at chapter 6? Because really, let's face it, all the fun stuff happens between 1 to 6. That's where all the good Sunday uh, school, kids' church stuff happens. After 7, it is weird. It is trippy. It is scary. It is horrifying. In fact, chapter 7 is the type of stuff that's not really dreams is more nightmares like this is nightmarish why are we doing it well at sorrow bible church we don't want to shy away from doing the tricky things and the difficult things and so i'm hoping that even though our tendency is not to look at something like this even the book of revelation we want to shut and not watch uh, not read or any of those sorts of things i'm hoping that today we'll actually be able to read chapter 7 and actually see why it's there there's not there to scare us but it's actually there for something else and so I'm going to pray for us and pray for me as we, uh, as we look at this now. So let's, uh, let's do that. Dear gracious God, we thank you for your word because all of it is breathed out by you and it is useful for teaching, correcting tra and training in righteousness. And so, Father, we ask that you would do that now through your word, that you would teach us, uh, that, Father, you give us ears to hear and minds and hearts to understand. Father, we pray that we would see beyond the scariness and the, the terrifying nature of this chapter and see what you have in store for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, chapter 7 is really the gateway into the second half of the book of Daniel. It really opens the door for us, but it connects 
our first half of the book of Daniel with the second half. And it does it in these ways. This, is, this chapter, uh, chapter 7 is the last chapter in the 12 chapters that is written in Aramaic, which was the language commonly spoken in Babylon. So a little bit of a connection, but also not only that, this story, this story, this dream, these visions, these four beasts actually connect us with chapter 2, where Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and it's a statue, but it's in four parts. There's four parts of that statue, just like there's four beasts here. And so there's a parallel between the two. But not only that, the very first verse, Daniel actually tells us, he actually links us, it connects us with the past. He takes us back in time to when it's the first year of the reign of King Belshazzar. So it puts us somewhere in between chapters four and five. And so it connects the two while opening the door for what follows. And what follows when the door opens is we really kind of want to just close the door. We don't want to go there. We don't want to walk through there because it is terrifying, right? Right from the, the onset, there is wind, there is ocean, there are the great sea, it's churning. It's just, it just doesn't sound good to start with, right? No one wants to be on the open water when the wind is howling from every which direction and the waves are as high as you can see. You can't see the sky. It's just unpleasant. But more than that, we actually see that things are coming out of this great sea. These horrible beasts. Now, it's kind of fitting that they're coming from the sea because in ancient times, the sea was seen as a place of, uh, of chaos and destruction. And these beasts coming out of this sea are kind of really, they're encapsulating all this chaos and destruction as well as their uh, ferociousness and their terribleness, if that's a word. I'm going to go with it. We say it's terribleness is a word. It's a word. I've got, you know, Neil's a teacher. He said, yes, it's a word. So we're going with it. Um, so, you know, all these things are going on. And we have these beasts, these beasts that come straight out of your worst nightmare. The first one is a lion that has wings and those wings are stripped, but then it's raised up to walk like a man. Then the, the next one is worse again. It's a massive bear, a monstrosity of a bear that's raised on one side, but in its mouth are ribs. The ribs are a symbol of, symbol of the, uh, the carnage or the destruction of a previous victim. And so it's still got bits in its teeth, so to speak. And it's told to get up and go back for seconds. Like, this is not all you can eat ribs, but it's kind of feeling like this for the bear. It's just destruction and chaos everywhere. Now, if we thought it couldn't get any worse, the imagery just continues to escalate. Because not only have we got a lion and a bear, but we've got a cheetah, but it's not just any sort of cheetah. You know, cheetahs are fast, they are, they are quick and swift at, their, at killing, but this one's got wings. This, this leopard, sorry, has got wings. Not a cheetah, it's a leopard. It's got wings, so not only does it run fast, but it, it, it flies as well. There is no outrunning this thing. But more than that, more than having four wings, it's got four heads. So it means it can see every which direction. There's no hiding from this. This terrible beast, it can't be outrun, it can't be outhid. It is all-consuming and it is given authority to rule. What a horrible, terrifying picture this is. Even if we just stop there, that is scary. But then Daniel goes on and talks about a fourth beast. Now this beast is so terrible and horrifying that there is no beast known to Daniel that he can liken it to. 
See all these other ones, he says, it's like a lion, it's like a bear, it's like a leopard. This one, it's like nothing else that he's ever seen. And more than that, it has these horns, 10 horns. Now, in the Bible and in biblical times, a horn was considered a sign of power and of strength. And so to have 10, it's like magnified by 10. But even amongst that strength and power of these horns, there is one that rises up, a small one that rises and uproots three and actually takes center stage. This one that's got eyes and a mouth that speaks boastfully. Now, with all this imagery going on, out of my imagination has run wild reading this. Like, there have been a few nights where I've actually have had trouble sleeping with these images in my head. Like, it has caused nightmares. But the question we need to ask, though, is not the question that we probably go straight to. It's the question that Daniel goes to, and I must admit I went to, and probably you are too. And that is, what is the meaning of these beasts? Who are they? What are these horns? Who are the horns? What is this one horn that rises up? Now, we can spend ages, we can spend a lifetime trying to figure this out. And people do. There are books written about it, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but I don't think that is the focus of this, of this chapter. So the only thing the commentators can actually really agree on, and there's even some who don't, but most do, is that the lion most likely represents Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. Just like the golden head in the statue was Babylon, it was King Nebuchadnezzar. This lion, which is ferocious, but then is tamed and had its wings stripped, almost humiliated, brought low, humbled. But then it is restored and lifted up and upright and walking like a man, given a humanness to it. It is very similar to what we find of King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4, when he is humbled by God, becomes almost beast-like. In fact, I think his, his, uh, his hair turns almost into feathers, like feathers. But then he is reinstated and lifted back up, given his humanity back and rules as king again. So most commentators will agree with that, but from there on, it's a free-for-all. Some will say that the bear is uh, the Mede-Persian uh, nation, kingdom, empire. Some will say it's one or the other. Some will even say that the, the leopard is Greece and this ferocious beast that's unimaginable is Rome. But even that, people still are uncertain on. Let alone getting into talking about who the horns are. See, the thing is that throughout time, throughout history, superpowers have always been noticed or signified by an animal. And it's usually a, uh, an animal of prey. For example, in our modern time, Russia is often signified as a bear and America as an eagle. That great bird of prayer, that, a prey, that, uh, that bald eagle. You never see or we never hear of a superpower rising that has some sort of peaceful animal as its logo or its, its thing. You, like you don't see anyone with a dove or a raven or a, or a chicken or a turkey. Right? Like I actually did hear a rumor that, uh, that Benjamin Franklin did try to get the turkey to be the emblem of America. 
I think many Americans would be very happy that that's not the case. But it doesn't, a turkey really doesn't kind of instill kind of victory and power and pride and those sorts of things. And usually that's what the animal does. It symbolizes those sorts of things. But as I said, we're not to draw our focus on these things, on these beasts, on the horns. Yes, it's worth thinking through, but this isn't the focus. Because if it was, then the, the purpose of Daniel 7 for those who Daniel is written to. So this is not written just to us. This is written to those in Daniel's time as well. If, if our focus was to be on these beasts and the horns, then the focus of chapter 7 is actually to give us nightmares. But I actually don't think that's the case. I don't think chapter 7 is to give us nightmares, but I think it's actually there to calm our nightmares. And here is what I mean. So when Daniel gets this vision, this dream, the beasts and the horns take up a fair part of the first part. And then the interpretation leads into it as well. But there is something right at the centre, something happening behind all this, which is actually the, the focus of what's going on. See, we need to be careful that we don't get tricked like a, a magician tries to trick its audience. You know, you look over here, but all the stuff is really going over here. See, the beasts and the horns, this is the stuff that we can get tricked by when over here is what's really happening. And this is the purpose of Daniel 7. The purpose for, the, uh, for God's people in exile in Babylon and for us too. And here is where it's found. It's found in, uh, from verse 9 onwards. We see this amazing thing taking center stage. And that is, Daniel says, that, As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. His hair... Sorry, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. See, here we are getting to the point and the focus of Daniel 7. Here is this throne room, this courtroom, where the Ancient of Days, who is God, is seated on his throne. And here he is described as wearing clothes of white to show his purity and his righteousness. As well as his hair being white like wool to show not only is he pure and righteous, but there is wisdom. Like we would say to someone who is of older age, who has grey hair, has a certain wisdom of age. But more than that, not only is there purity and righteousness and wisdom, but the throne in which he is seated is flaming with fire and it's got wheels that are on fire. More than that, there is a river of fire flowing out. And this is a sign of a warrior coming in judgment. And that is what is happening in this courtroom. There is judgment being put down, being poured out. Before all those who are in attendance, we see that the book is open. And this is the book of life, the book, the ledger of all the things that have been done. You know those things that we do that we wish we hadn't done? Whether that's actually in public or maybe even, in, even the things are in private. These are the things that are being laid bare before the courtroom that are being judged. 
the things of the beast and the things of those who follow these beasts. But then there is a, a dist- I guess, a puzzling thing, not just I mean, a puzzling thing for Daniel. Because as he, as he sees this taking place and, and the, the horn is still speaking boastfully, speaking against God, we see that it is actually defeated. It is slain and it is thrown into the blazing fire. It is judged. But the puzzling part comes in this. Because in verse 13, he says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the cloud of heaven. Now this, for us, is a little bit easier to understand because we have seen the fulfillment. We haven't seen it, but we know of the fulfillment through Scripture. This son of man is Jesus himself, the one who actually claimed this title. When the the Pharisees and the Sadducees were bringing charges against him, Jesus said that you will see the son of man going, ascending into heaven to be at the right hand of God to judge. This is exactly what is happening here. The Son of Man, the one who is fully man, but because he rides on a cloud of heaven, gives us the the fullness of the fact that he's also God. Because only God travels in this way. So fully God, fully man, here is this one, who brings in this kingdom, who will be given this kingdom and who will reign in power with authority, with sovereign authority. And this kingdom, that this king will rule, will go on forever and ever and it will not be destroyed. In fact, it, it, this whole scene is contrast against the chaos and the destruction and the horribleness and the terrifyingness of of all the things that are going on with these beasts and the waters and the winds and these boastful words coming from the horn. It is actually contrasted with the peace and the calmness of the courtroom. Everything is ordered. And so herein lies, I think, the focus of Daniel 7. It is about giving hope to those in Daniel's time and in our day and age too. Give us hope that there, are t- there will be a time that will come of calmness and a time where everything will be in order. A place where there will be a king who will reign and rule forever in righteousness, in purity and in wisdom, in love and in grace and in mercy. And that kingdom has come at a great price because this this son of man who enters into the the throne room, into the courtroom that no one else has ever done to this point. He's led in because he's been out defeating and winning the victory over the beasts of the age so that we who fall victim to it, who are corrupted by it, who are taken captive by it, can be freed so that we may enter into the kingdom of the one who loves us. See, Daniel 7 is not about giving us nightmares. It's about calming nightmares. It's about giving us a light of hope that no matter what happens in this world, see, beasts and horns will rise up in every age and they will war against God's people, will speak boastfully against God's people will persecute God's people, will oppress God's people. That we are guaranteed of 
because Jesus said that that just as the world hated him, those who follow him will be hated likewise. That we will be we will be scorned, we'll be made fun of, we'll be ridiculed. But even as we go through all those things, we know that because of what Jesus has done and the authority and the kingship that he has at the right hand of God, we know that we too will be with him in his kingdom forever, no matter what the nations and the kingdoms throw at us in this world. We can stand in full assurance and confidence and say, do whatever you wish, do what you must, because I have Jesus and my hope is in him. It is a thing that gets us through this life. See, the, the thing that is 100% certain in everybody's life is that we will go through difficult times. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, oh, I can't think of a time that's been tough. But I guarantee, can I say to you, you will at some point if you haven't. And you probably have and have shut it away and forgotten about it. But we go through difficult times, whether it's sickness, uh, you know, our health starts to deteriorate, or those that we love go through hard times or their own health problems. We lose loved ones. We go through those troubles and we cling to something to help us get through, something that we can put our hope in. But do you know what? Most of the things we try to do, we try to put our hope and our trust in fade and disappear. But Daniel 7 tells us there is something that will not fade or disappear, that will not be destroyed. And that is the kingdom that is to come. That is this heavenly kingdom. It is heaven. Daniel 7 is all about giving God's people in every age hope. Hope that whatever befalls us in this life will be done away with in the next. Because when we are in that next life, we are told that if we put our trust in our King, that we faithfully serve our Saviour, the one who has come and taken our ledger and wiped it clean, through his death and resurrection. We're told that we will have a life, that we will live in a, in a land, in a kingdom that will have none of those things, none of those, those sicknesses or health issues. There'll be no crying or sadness. There'll be no loss. There'll be no chaos. There'll be no destruction. But there will be peace and order and love and joy and the radiance of the Son of God, the Son of Man. And so whatever it is that we go through in this life, we have this assurance. And I want to leave us with this hope as we finish up uh, the message this, of this afternoon. And that is this. Whatever the world throws at you, whatever may happen, whether it's beasts, as we saw in, in this chapter, these beasts, as scary and terrifying as they are, they are defeated and justice is given. So too is the promise for us, is that sickness and death and sin have been defeated and will once and for all be defeated when Jesus returns and takes us to his kingdom. That is the hope that we have, the reality that we have, that gets us through the fiercest storm. And my hope and prayer for us is that we cling to this and we fix our eyes firmly 
on our Jesus, our King. Let me pray for us. Dear gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Daniel 7, as scary and as terrifying as it initially seems. We see that it is not about giving us nightmares, but it's about calming our nightmares, giving us peace, giving us hope in this life because of what is to come in the next. Father, we pray that we would grab hold of that, that we would be ready for that day of judgment because we hold firmly to the hope that we have in our King, our Saviour Jesus. We pray all this in the Son of Man, Son of God, our King, our Saviour's name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revolver Church podcast. Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevolverchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings at the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is okay by Ixit.